0: Arrival in Orkney by Karin Reed It's been a long day's travelling. I think I make some nice warming tomato soup. There's too much acid in this soup on an empty stomach, he says. I think, well, at least it's getting nice and warm in here. It's insufferably hot in here, he says, opening the window. I make a cup of tea, I say. I can't fail with a cup of tea, can I? There's too much chlorine in the water in this tea, he says.
1: you read that so beautifully. <laughs> it's really got two characters in it, that poem. Um, the one it's paired with is after Carolyn Reed. is after my nan, because I wrote it uh, after reading that poem. Uh, and... Sometimes when you read a poem by someone you love, you're furious and you just want to get revenge for them. Um, (laughs) So this is called Patience. Go ahead, try to watch me lose my patience. You'll wait a whole damn year. Then it'll only take a second.
2: Hello and welcome to another episode of Poetry Tears, and today we're joined by Rihanna Valentine, a new name.
0: <laughs> yeah, indeed. We had them on the show under the name Morning, Morning Key yeah. Queer.
2: Yeah. So this is the first time we've had it. Oh no, Heather. Yeah. Sprigs of Heather came on, so this is the another second time. Player. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Nice.
2: So same poet, different poet. <laughs> Yeah, isn't that the question? Having
1: <laughs> yeah. Have a different poet every day. Basically the same poet roughly ish kind of. Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but evolving all but, the way. Like yeah.
1: Like kind of going in a process of reowning myself was what the uh, what the name change was about. Partly just about being more publishable, but also about kind of reowning myself and my name and my family history and like not hiding behind a somewhat more anonymous moniker.
2: Yeah. And that family thing is a big a uh, factor of this new book that you, this new publication that come out because you
0: fragmented co-
2: you're co-authoring it with Caroline 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 Reed <laughs> <laughs>
0: Your your grandma. Grandpa. Yeah,
2: nan.
1: yeah um, my nan. Um yeah, indeed. Both of us our pen names, are respectively her parents. Reed was her mother's maiden name and Valentine was her maiden name, her father's name. So uh my so family are her... well represented on this book cover.
0: That's not her legal name then? Really? No,
1: no. Um she when I was archiving her work there were a number of different pen names, mostly due to changes in marriage. Um, only one of them, but still changes the name back in them days, and um, and then when I asked her a few months ago, what would your name be, your pen name? She settled on this, and I think it's absolutely the right decision. It's nice that her her mum's name is in there. Her parents were a bit of a power couple of the day, <laughs> like very very lovely, very literary, very uh, very impressive people, and it's nice that they they're on there.
2: So how much did uh your your grandmother influence your poetry? Your becoming a poet? Uh
1: wouldn't be a poet without her. For sure. Absolutely for definite. During, like
2: I, during your childhood?
1: Um no, because she was she was pretty secretive uh about poetry. Mm. Um like she'd send poems to people occasionally as gifts or kind of little kind of odes to them. Um but she was one of those, like, I think there are a lot of poets, maybe even the majority of poets who are quite secretive about it and keep it close to the chest, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and the only time I started seeing, like, relatively more of her poetry was in lockdown. We, ad- we agreed to do a bit of a creative exchange, and I was like, I'll send you, you know, a bit of origami or a print or a picture or something. At the time, I wasn't a poet. And you send me something back, and she said, I don't know what to send you. All I've got is poems. And I said, poems are great. Send <laughs> poems. So she sent me... Uh, two or three poems in that time and we were kind of going back and forth and she sent me a wonderful poem about a blackbird and i sent her back an origami blackbird and the origami blackbird is still on her mantelpiece but i've lost the bloody poem um (laughs) (laughs) poems on pieces of paper are hard to keep hold of um very annoyed about that went looking when i was publishing this um but Yeah, we we had that exchange. And then uh, between that and her sending me Mary Oliver's Wild Geese, which I had up on the wall where I tutor children, uh, that area. I had it up for months. Mm. And just that kind of, um, that dawning idea of, oh, like poetry is something my nan can do. And it's something Mary Oliver does in a very accessible way. Um, And this never even occurred to me, You know, I hadn't read much poetry since school. It's not something that moves in the mainstream in a big shouty scene way a lot of the time. So, like, it never occurred to me it was a thing I could do. And then there was a whole other instigating incident, which I've said on last time's podcast, so I won't go over it again. <laughs> but, my, but certainly, my nan laid the foundations it in the groundwork. Involved the, ground the beach,
2: it, it yeah. involved Brighton beach, <laughs> <Yeah. It> involved <laughs>
1: Brighton beach, and a number of other. Check
2: out episode ten.
1: But
0: so
2: Mary Oliver is a big influence in this collection. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, you can after really see Mary see that Oliver
0: in the style, and to me, it was really interesting. Um, When, you know, you always said... Because I had you for the documentary as well. That I made for a really long interview. Um, And you said a big influence in your poetry was your nan. And so I never read her poetry before. And so to me, when I read that book, it was a really nice surprise to see, you know, her style. And your style and and the way you put them together. Um, Because I found your style very, you know, unique. So I was wondering (laughs) how... You know a, a kind of elderly woman could inspire that style because you talk very in the style of like i guess being being a millennial i don't know like just being a queer person in brighton mm. a queer disabled person so i wondered how you could get that from someone else you know and um definitely the poems that you put in this collection are a little bit more in your nan style Hmm. I don't know. They match more the pace. I think you have other poems that are a bit more spoken word hmm. that you didn't put in there. And
1: there's one poem in there that I edited because there was a line in it about. Uh, quite graphically about bondage and even I have my limits and I was like <laughs> publishing a collection with my nan yeah. I'm gonna make the bondage slightly more subtle um, <laughs> use the word dominant instead so of the wrap, graphic description um, metaphor. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, when I was putting the collection together it's, it was first and foremost very much for me about getting my nan's work out there mm. and getting the nature of our relationship and this this kind of there is a huge amount of crossover between our poetry Um and I sometimes wonder, actually, if a lot of the stuff I perform on stage is the more, like, gobby poet stuff. Um, but yeah. but the quiet and thoughtful and the natural world and the Mary Oliver inspired and stuff, I maybe yeah. submit to written magazines or I just keep to myself. And, yeah. and so it's maybe a different side of me as a poet. But also for me, it was like, I went through my nan's work and archived my nan's work and then there were a lot of them where they just shouted out to me a poem of mine. Like, I was mm. like, oh, that goes with that. That goes with that. And I paired them up. And then there were some of them as well where I was, like, then going through my previous poems going, okay, what can I match up with this one?
2: Yeah, you say, I mean, you say for the audience, you say at the start of the collection, that it's a conversation between you and your nan. Yes. And so... You, what you're saying, they were the, the, like
0: p- pairs. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and then, it, you can
2: see that, actually, through the collection, how you know there's similar themes and like yeah they complement each other
0: thanks
1: yeah, yeah. she said to me when i read read her parts of the book um she said to me and it's really hard to get her to say anything complimentary about her own work um she said to me Rihanna it really works and that's because of the strength of the relationship behind it and mm. that i hold very dear that made me very happy
2: <laughs> yeah and yeah. her her poems are in um a different typeface. It's kind of like a deranged typewriter yeah. font, I guess.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I hope the maker of my underwood does not hear this. Um, <laughs> that's the font. Um Yeah, it's it's
2: a it's a typeface font, yeah. but a little a little um Less conservative kind of typeface font. Yeah,
1: yeah it's, it's not sure. courier. It's not super uniform and identical. Yeah. I went looking on the internet for um, a typewriter font that most looked like the portable typewriter font that my nan ah. actually typed most of the poems in. Mm. Yeah. So the hard, original hard copies, and I was looking at these fonts next to it and trying to find the right one. Yeah, And this one is a font that somebody made from their individual Underwood typewriter. So it's one typewriter how that typewriter types. Yeah. So that is why it's kind of a bit skew-whiff and weird. It's quite intentional. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Even yeah.
2: yeah. that changes the way that people read the poems as well, though, like...
1: I think certainly the... typewriter has an archaic feel to it,
2: and and your one's in Garamond for the typeface nerds out there. Yeah, uh, I
1: didn't think uh, <laughs> with her conversation yeah, about this fonts. But... This is... Oh no, but you do think about it, don't you? And especially with this book, where it alternated fonts in the in in the thing, it's it's partly meant to be a kind of older voice and a more modern voice. Yeah, Because yeah. so I'm aware of the time it. difference in the poems. A lot of hers were written forty years ago.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. but con- I mean, conventionally though, you might have the more. You know, uh, beautiful cu- uh, cursive font, uh, not cursive. The, the more kind of uh, beautiful Neater. font to be with the the older yeah. poet, mm. and the more the more kind of uh, reckless font to be with the younger poet. You know, so <laughs> ah, that's there, interesting. So, mm. so it wasn't an in- intentional kind Do of juxtaposition.
0: The is definitely more ancient. That, <laughs> I mean, I don't. Yeah, I Can't yeah. find the right term, but it gives that more classic. Uh, and also, because oh, wow. you said she was secretive, so it does have that, yeah, it's got secretive quality keeping to it, it yeah. inside, yeah. Whereas maybe it's neater, it's like when you publish it into magazines, which you have done, etc., like kind of have that more public persona as of a poet,
1: yeah. yeah. There's definitely that thing of like these were mostly in this pink plastic, fo- like really un inglorious, not not <laughs> not like beautifully displayed or anything. Um, they were in this pink plastic envelope folder, you know, one of those button folders that's like a pound from W.H. Smith's And it was like <laughs> overflowing. And they're all on incredibly thin paper because it's that old typewriter paper. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, um, and then <laughs> some of them are just handwritten and her handwriting's so illegible. Like, I'm one of the few people who can read it because we exchanged a lot of letters. But even I, when I found some, had to check a couple of words. Like, um, <laughs> and... So have you kept it, it all? Then, it though? was, yeah. No, my my little brother has actually scrapbooked the originals into a big book, which is beautiful, because now we've got, like, scrapbooked oh, originals so you know, and then so. this is a more kind of produced version and this is less than half of her work is in here. Mm-hmm. So she's got a big back catalogue. But, yeah, she didn't show me any of that stuff, like, that big back... I had no idea of this back catalogue, that she was a poet, wow. like, really. Mm-hmm. The whole horde. Until, like, a year and a half ago. Um... I had an appalling breakup, like a really awful, like thought it was forever, suddenly it falls apart and then you go and fall apart at your nan's house, kind of like can't hold it together yeah. breakup. And she was like, right, Rihanna, I have this heft wow. of heartbreak poetry. Come on then, let's read this. And it really helped me because I was writing all this heartbreak poetry that, and I'd shown her some of it and then she got hers out. and But also I just had no idea... Like, she was hiding this yeah. folder and, um, the, like, you know, this enormous breadth of work. Um, and then I, it, from then I was like, we should do something together. We should do a paired project. But she was so nervous about sharing it and so resistant. And at the time she was, well, not so resistant, resistant mm. sometimes. And at the ch- time she was ill and I didn't want to push it. And then when it came to the final uh, month of her life, because we lost her just over a month ago, um i said look nan i could do this project we could do it now or i could do it after or we cannot do it at all but if you want to see it it's kind of now or never um and she was like yeah let's do it and then she couldn't really do much of it and i was really aware of the time constraints yeah And I was also like full-time caring for her a lot of the time as well (laughs) while I was doing it. But end to end from archiving her work to sending it to print was three weeks, which was insane Mm. to like publish a full collection when you've never self-published before. You've never done book design. You've never done the printing. And I had a huge amount of help from many wonderful friends like, you know, um, Ollie, who's recording this, did all the text extraction from her typewriter stuff so that I didn't have to retype them. That they extracted into text. Lulu helped me navigate Mixam and the printing of it without (laughs) smashing my computer. Like and many other friends who were thanked in the back of there. It was kind of a a bit of a team effort. I called in a lot of favors. Yeah. um, So this is
2: a this is a great tribute to your nun. Yeah.
1: Thanks. It's it means a lot, and I think it's it's it. I think it represents us and her well. Um. And she unfortunately didn't get to hold the printed copy. It came three days after she died. Um, I rushed it through in every way I could. Yeah. But I did get to show her. I showed her the PDF it copy. It took so long to The print. cover. <laughs> <It's>, yeah. <laughs> two no, the, weeks.
0: I think the <laughs> printing
1: was like two weeks. And yeah. I and I contacted them and I paid them extra, but still, it's like one and a half weeks. And um, but I showed her the printed copy and I read her at least half of the book. Um, though with some of it. She was at various stages of responsiveness. Some of it was a couple of days before and she couldn't really speak anymore. But I knew she was listening because she made noise at the end of each poem. Mm. And there's something really like profound and precious about an experience with a relative who is leaving you, who cannot communicate their needs, who you're caring for really intensively. She still somehow was breaking through all those palliative care, end of life drugs and all the all the running out of energy and everything. Like, and definitely was there listening because she wasn't making noises in the middle of the poems. She's making noises at the end of each poem. Like, and... So you read her the collection? I read Mm -hmm. her half of it. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to wear her out. (laughs) I read her best bits from all the way through and then I read her half of it. It was a really busy week and it was hard to fit things in. But also you're like aware that this person's lying there and probably wants a rest and doesn't want you to read them a whole book.
2: Um, like, <laughs> do, you, do you mind if I read one of uh, her poems now? Yeah. Because I read one today on the train, actually, and brought a tear to the eye. Yeah, <laughs> That was go the first time I just read it. it.
1: Which one? It's because,
2: not the connection. Um, the it's selection. close to where you've marked. <laughs> I
1: can tell you the page.
0: It's the one just after, I think.
2: That one. The coffee table. Oh, Yeah. I had a friend with a very nice coffee table. She got angry with her son, making dreadful marks on it, playing noughts and crosses without anything to rest on. He died soon after, and she never polishes it now. She likes the marks. And I just, it's just like hit me on the train today, coming up here.
1: Yeah. And because
2: it, it was like so out of the blue, you know?
1: She, uh, is- the master of the sudden punchy ending. Yeah. Like, uh, it's one of the things I realised putting this together is a lot of her poems pack this sudden punch and you're just like, whew, wow. Mm. And she was, as a person, a very gentle person. And you know, when you're a writer, I think sometimes the only ways you can get out some of the big stuff like anger or punch, kind of punchy stuff when you're quite a gentle person uh, or like quite acerbic humour, maybe quite dark humour is it comes out on the page. And the version of her in her poems is uh, a little more daring and outspoken um, mm. than, not that she wasn't daring or knew so to speak her mind. So she's different to you then? Um, yeah, she <laughs> she, <laughs> she uh, didn't have my drive for self-promotion. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, this is one of the virtues of writing for yourself for most of your life as a poet, not. Mm doing what we're all doing, which is like publishing and promoting and performing, is she was writing for herself. Yeah. So I think the version of her in her poems is actually like a really personal, intimate, you know, daring kind of part of her, yeah. um, which is very precious to have Do and you know I'm very it, privileged to share with people.
0: Do you know what it meant for her to have her only publication be done by her grandchild? I
1: think at the stage we were doing it, I would have loved to check it with her more, but she just didn't have the the energy. Like there were many of her poems didn't have titles. And at first I got her to give them titles and then she just didn't have the energy for it. And, I, and, and I'd and i give them titles. Uh, but that, I didn't have to do that for too many of them. But we got to that stage and I said, look, Nan, do you want to read the manuscript? Cause like here it is. And, and she's like, I trust you, like go for it. Mm-hmm. Um, Because there was so much going on when you're dealing with so much in your body, like you can't deal with so much of the external Mm -hmm. world. Um, But I think there was a we were very close and there was a great deal of trust between us. Um, She was one of my most avid readers and loved my poetry and has read some poems you wouldn't normally send to your nan because she was very technically capable and she was on social media. Uh, so knows more about my sex life than most nouns. Is um, <laughs> that the one poetry. about the
2: domination? <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> There's one in the collection, right, about the yeah. domination. Yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, um, like, it's... Uh, so I think she she knows what kind of poet I am and the kind of stuff I put out there. And one of the things I would say to her was like, you know, by contrast, Nan, you're going to look very literary and proper. (laughs) You know, like, like, it's not going to be, if you think yours are embarrassing, mine are much more embarrassing. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, no, I was, um, I would have in some ways liked to work on it with her more, but I think it was just something that, she wasn't able to do but what what i did i worked on it with her own mind and with as much communication with her as i could and reading it to her afterwards and and never got anything but good feelings and um one of the wonderful things about doing it while she didn't get to hold the physical copy um one of the main reasons i did it and in such a rush as i did it was problem with being a secretive poet and i say this to any secretive poets listening as well is your only audience is your own self-critic and i have Mm, voice memos from her from like a month or two before her death saying oh my poems are rubbish don't Mm. bother with them they're rubbish
0: and and like sometimes having the exterior opinion helps you Think better of your own poetry, actually. Yeah,
1: no, we're so harsh on our own stuff. And especially if you're someone who... She was tremendously modest. Like, I used to joke, like, chronically modest. <laughs> like... Um, and one of the things I wanted to to give her in doing this process was to be proud of her work and i sent the the draft of the manuscript to lots of people i know lots of poets and the people who got back to me lulu you did and kofi achina who i love and adore uh, who's one had done the
0: show as well <laughs> yeah
1: and he might be doing some of the readings with me in london might read nan's poems hopefully in london um and uh and becca audrey smith you guys got back to me with these beautiful reviews and I sent them to her. And yours was the first one I sent to her, Lulu. And mm. it brought her to tears. She was so, so like, she'd never heard anyone other than me who she thinks has to say it because I'm her grandchild. She'd never heard such validation for her work. And mm. so in the final, like, week, two weeks of her life, she was saying things like, well, I'm quite good at kind of writing little vignettes. <laughs> I'm kind of, this I'm all right at, and that mm. I'm all right. And like... That, it is never too late. You're 79, you're really ill, it's your final weeks. It is never too late. From a lifetime of saying it's rubbish to, like, Mm. being proud of her work, I was so pleased. And uh, beyond that, for me now, the collection is really about sharing pieces of her with the world because she was the best person I knew. She's one of the best people I'm ever going to know. She's irreplaceable. And, like... I got so much of her. I was so very, very lucky. And I just want to be able to, like, share that a little. Mm.
2: Will you be performing her poetry life? Or are you saying Kofi or so friends of yours will be?
1: I've already done one reading where it was just me at the feminist bookshop uh, for FemFest. And that was lovely and precious. And for me, it's actually lovely to read out her poetry And it's surprising how much it feels like reading out my poetry. Mm. Mm. Like I've done other cover versions before and it doesn't feel like this. There is, there is very internal joining threads between my nan and I and the way we write. Um, And, and also just don't, I just don't feel like entirely like I'm performing somebody else's work. It's a strange thing. Maybe having worked with it so closely, but also we were just very similar people in many ways. Um, And, uh, so I've done that, but also we're going to do some shows, some reading circles and some shows um, with various poets who were involved in the making of the book in some ways, um, reading my nan's poetry, because I think there's something beautiful about having the two voices and it really being a conversation on the stage. Yeah, yeah. And that's also quite unusual. you know. We've been to a lot of poetry nights. Usually it's one person on the mic. And I love collaboration. Yeah. I want to work with people and I want to try and get, um, every time we do it, I'm gonna try and get the poets to bring some of their own poems as well and broaden out the conversation. Um, I'm really excited about that. I'm just kind of I'm kind of getting it getting it together and getting it sorted slowly. I've been dealing with with grief and funerals and things and uh, yeah, no, if anybody wants us to come do that show, you know, do get in touch with me. <laughs> At Rihanna Valentine on most social media. Do do find me and I will come and drag one of my friends with me. Um uh, <laughs> or find a friend in that town.
2: Um so the collection's called Fragmented Light. It's called Fragmented Light. <laughs> <laughs> and um so the poem <laughs> Fragmented Light in there yes. is that's by you.
1: Nope, that's my nance. that's in typewriter. Oh, it's your Sorry, that's the only thing I did. I decided not to put her names all the way through because I wanted it to be a flowing conversation. So anything in typewriter font is my nan's. So do you read
2: it? Yeah.
1: Hers is the title poem. Always comes first, and it was written about a breakup. This, and I realised after she died just how much it speaks to grief. Like, it's. I found it. This is a poem I found tremendously helpful in the last few weeks.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Do you? Uh, could you perform it for us? Or
1: yeah, please? I can read I it absolutely. As long as you don't mind possible crying, it's
0: all good. Fragmented light. Fragmented light touches more points broken from its source. It spreads to more contacts. So your affection removed from reality lights life diversely. Refracted light shines on. We are no longer close, separated, yet... The long, steady beam of love, deflected at the point of separation, splits, prismatic, less defined but more radiant, retrieved beyond the separation. Love in new colours warms my mind, thoughts and actions thus affected, from our past to my future crosses over, your untouching hand.
1: Rods and cones. Don't think I have many photos of us Though I can see you so clearly The rods that marked your silhouette Up and died Constant shadow You were once so bright To me it bleached them out Leached the rhodopsin from my retinas So I can always see your absence But the cones The colours are on the
0: comeback. It's a bit surreal to me because this poem, I heard it so many times from (laughs) editing the documentary. I heard it at least least 60 times. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) And there was a point where it just it was just with me like when i was making food and stuff like <laughs> just i had the voice
2: i, I think <laughs> um,
0: is like that so
2: yeah, I, yeah but i think seeing it in the context with um, with your nuns it has a different poems, meaning yeah, putting yeah, it, it together
0: it's it, so really interesting
2: it's it's you know the 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 light the images of light <laughs> and the metaphors with mm. human relationships mm. i think they the, these go really well together and yeah, it, do, it yeah. gives and i mean i heard this I've heard uh, your Rods and Cohn's poem uh, before as well, but it really does add a new uh, perspective to it. And this it's, is it's one of those poem. pairs
1: where I'm of the strong opinion that my Nouns is by far the better poem. However, it was a po- it was a pair that jumped out to me because I was like, um, it's it was just a really natural pairing. You're like, okay, so we've got a breakup, we've got loss, we've got a bunch of metaphors about light and the eye like it really it was and it was kind of weird we've both written these in parallel 40 years apart and Mm. they're so freaking similar
0: (laughs) it's interesting because usually in a poet's work like some words come back uh you know in different circumstances like there's like like color that would show up in different poems mm. and these they they show up in two different poets you know yeah instead it's like The conversation that was one of the wonderful things about
1: doing this project and i kind of knew would happen because the when i proposed the project to my nan i was like we have all this commonality it's kind of weird across our poetry how much it's similar when we hadn't seen each other's poetry when we were writing it um but then when i came to do it as a process just how easily the pairs fell together and then how easy it was to arrange the pairs into a flowing conversation that forms the whole book was a surprise even to me.
2: Yeah. Is there? This might be a, a bit of a strange question, but is there a narrative then that forms in your mind, or a very loose one? I don't know, at the start. There's there's a lot of poems about water. Yeah. Right. And uh, when I when I started reading this collection, I was like, oh, there's a lot of sea poems yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's
0: my review actually? <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Right? Your review's beautiful. It's so your, poetic. Uh, yeah, should I read, read your review? Yeah, yeah. It makes sense with that. previous as well. A meditation on escaping a marriage, on escaping womanhood, on being guided through life by the sea and the forest. Salty water might not be pleasant in tea, but it makes for a place to swim you wrote that yeah dude
1: oh my god (laughs) like when you sent it i i showed it to a couple of people i showed to jamie who had to see it i showed it to ollie and and me i made me cry and we were like whoa that's what they lulu killed this review like (laughs) like
2: i didn't see that that was great
1: for me having somebody else like knit together the way my nan and i write um so poetically and and in and in such a oneness like it was a really beautiful moment uh i really appreciated it Mm. but yeah that that rods and cones is written about the breakup that i went to see her about that made her show me all her poetry
0: oh wow And most
1: of her poetry about longing was written about a single breakup as well so
0: much history in in all of these poems you know yeah it's like when you just read it there's no way we can understand all of that's what is going oh, through? this this brings
2: know? me to mind of one of your poems actually. Oh, okay. Um, it's cool. Yeah,
0: it it makes me want to do more reviews. You know, we <laughs> wanted to do more reviews anyway mm-hmm. uh, as part of Poetry is I wish you to think of the impact that reviews can have. It's. I didn't think you. Yeah, no, it was it's a, a beautiful me, thing.
1: Yeah. You did a great thing. What did I put on the back of yours? The direct poetics of hairy asses. Yeah, <laughs> I enjoyed. Pl- I enjoyed writing that. It's really fun to write. <laughs> it's nice to respond. It's like uh, poetry can be quite solitary, and like mm. reviewing each other's stuff and, and promoting it is one way to collaborate. But I would like to explore more collaborative work because I think you get so much more when you're bouncing off. Each other's ideas, words, history, all of it, you know. Such different approaches.
0: Hey yeah, I hope you're enjoying listening to this episode. This episode is sponsored by Write Bloody UK. They're an independent publisher that publishes bloody beautiful poetry books. You get ten percent off all books on their website, writebloodyuk.co.uk, with the code is. That's ten percent off with the code Poetry to Your Ears on the website writebloodyuk.cu.uk. Hope you enjoy it!
2: We just want to take a moment to talk to you about Fawn Press. Poetry to Rears is a podcast sponsored by Fawn Press, an indie press that publishes poetry, that takes you by the hand and leads you into the woods. You can get 10% off all books on their website, www.fawnpress.co.uk, with the code... Poetry ten. As small letters poetry ten. You will find the code and the link in the description below.
0: Yes, I'm gonna read uh Carolyn's poems and Rihanna's gonna read their own poems. Uh which always look at each other in the poetry book.
2: I found it. Oh you found it. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> so you were saying about you were saying about um the poems and <laughs> the the I'll, I'll read the poem it's uh it's called spirits oh
1: yes That's oh actually hang poem. on we're gonna read that That's part later of the pair. oh yeah yeah. yeah it's so, one of the okay, pairs so, we're gonna read so
2: if i point out just the point the the bit that i was thinking of was the part where you say um yeah the poems are their own spirits they they belong to themselves they are Mm. their own things that exist in the world we were having a conversation about this um as well when that poets see the world in a different way and people who write poetry see the world in a different way that there's poems everywhere Mm. (laughs) you know that the stories in our life are poems whether you write them Mm. or not whether you put them down on the page or not yeah
0: you were saying that about that poet in birmingham zafar kunyo um i'm sorry if i didn't say it right but basically he saw his his dad who died in a in a photography exhibition exhibition in birmingham uh about yeah just by chance it was about recent immigrants like one of the first immigrants in birmingham and uh and there was his dad there and someone asked him are you going to write a poem about that and he said i think that's already a poem (laughs) <laughs> so it's interesting for about mm. what is a poem is it the form of writing mm. or is it just life you know there's what's...
1: an interesting like frustration as well for a poet i think at the point where i'm at where i'm quite prolific and i write about most things and i write mostly about my life like um and i write most days in good periods in in bad periods not most days but most days in most of the time um i by good periods, I mean good writing periods, often the ones where I'm writing every day or when I'm miserable. Uh, but anyway, like, um, is like, am I mining my life too much? Am I narrating my own life too much? Am I, is, should this thing be sacrosanct and not be made into a poem? Uh, and then it's this like thing of actually, it, I should only be writing a poem about it if that poem is in itself kind of it's it's sacrosanct. Is it, mm-hmm. it, is good enough and uh not good like good writing but like with the intention of exploring something with with heart and holding it like not just trying to get a good poem out of it Mm. like
0: yeah i have that as well like i i feel like i'm a better poet when i'm suffering (laughs) but as a person i don't want to suffer most of my life yep (laughs) but does that make me a better poet and you know, it's the tortured artist kind of debate. Yeah. And I think you can you can be happy in your life and do good artwork.
2: But, but I think but, Rihanna's saying something different. Oh, though. is it something else? It's, you... it, it's really I fascinating. G- I
1: agree, like, a lot of my bad periods are the times when I write. Like, I'm, I'm the same. Like, it's almost a silver lining for me now is, like, I might be really depressed, but I am writing a lot. It's, like, mm. it's nicer to be happy and out in the sun. But, like if I'm having a bad period, I, I'm often quite productive and it's it can be frustrating, but also for me, I suppose it's like, I guess uh, there's silver linings in both situations.
2: But mm. you seem to be saying that you, you feel the sense that it's almost like you don't want to exploit something for the sake of mm. making, I don't know, a showpiece, or mm. when maybe that's that you f- you feel like it's inauthentic or you feel like you're trying to push the emotions too much like you dramatize something that is very real and very important to you um and that's just i just find it fascinating hearing you talk about the process because i I don't have that process and it sounds like you you only feel like poems are justified when they are truly authentic sentiments or emotions
1: i i think definitely authenticity and, and communicating an emotion with truth is is a lot of of great importance to me in a lot of what my work is about. Because um, I'm not, you know, the world's biggest master of metaphor or oh, delicate, beautiful writing. <laughs> like, a lot of it is about trying to get the thing out like the thing really is. Mm. Um, and... But I think certainly there, there comes a tipping point where you've been a poet for a while and you're like, am I just like... You You question yourself and you question the process and what you're doing and how it behaves in your life. And I'm going to misquote Sean Bonney. There's a wonderful Sean Bonney book where it's like typewritten poems that ripped up and laid over each other. And there's a line in it that really spoke to me. Um, I can't remember the exact line. It's something like, the stars keep talking to me or the stars won't leave me alone that gave me that feeling of, like, how I I sometimes feel. Like, my mind is constantly generating poetry and everything is, like, generating poetry in my mind. And sometimes I do kind of wish I could just switch it the fuck off. (laughs) Like, just, like, live my life and not narrate it. Um, I I think, you know, a lot of poets are kind of overthinkers, maybe. I certainly am. Um, And it's that kind of trying to find that balance between uh Writing about your life and and living your life, you mm. know.
0: Yeah, it's a big philosophy thing about reflection. Uh, it's it's got a, it's got proper term like being having a reflective life or leading an active life.
1: Mm. Like, am I
0: being and, present if and, I'm
1: generating poetry in my yeah, head? Probably if you,
0: not. If you're reflective, then maybe you're not living in mm. the moment as much but if you're not reflecting then you just don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, there's that yeah. tensions
1: between being present and like producing something or being present and, and yeah. like and planning and and making things you want to happen and, and happen.
0: I think for poets like Plato can be a big philosophical reference because he's a big proponent of uh you know the the philosopher having a reflect, reflecting throughout your life and he in in his thesis he says like doesn't the good a good leader cannot be younger than 50 mm. because he hasn't reflected on his life you know previously and i think a lot of poetry is very very self-aware uh to to a fault maybe but you know yeah no <laughs> so, so i think you can find great comfort in that in that philosophical like I tried uh, to ban myself from using the word
1: I in January instead of doing like January or Dry January. I was like, maybe I can spend the whole of January writing poetry without the word I in it. I lasted six days. Mm. Um, <laughs> and and <laughs> I'm I so frustrated with myself. I think you get to the point almost after a little while of being right where you're a bit sick of yourself. <sighs> like you're That's a, great. You're a bit like, oh, for fuck's sake. I'm, I'm very, I've said to my like, poetry group, who always see every couple of weeks, like I'm like, I'm really like, would like to escape myself sometimes mm. and write about something else. But even when we're doing translation poems, it ends up being about my recent grief or something. Yeah, um, but it
0: can be a different eye as well. It doesn't have to be you it can be a different version of you it can be someone else through the voice of i Mm. this is one of the things that made me write spirits
1: actually was i'd written a couple of poems that were in different characters and it's like this poem isn't me it isn't a piece of me just it's a it's also its own little momentum its own little kind of dancing thing it's like you know it's it's through the filter of like an imagined person or a celebrity or a particularly dark Mm-hmm. aspect of my consciousness or whatever like it's not just it a part to of reflect. me yeah
0: your whole being yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely should we read yeah spirit. Spirit. Yeah. yeah i hear them which ones are we reading uh your sins will find you out yes and spirits your sins will find you out once as a child extraordinarily cross I wrote all the swear words I knew on a scrap of paper and sent it up the chimney, exercised, relieved, I consigned it to smoke. Dramatic, I thought, and satisfying. Next day, after school, I found the paper, propped up centrally on the mantelpiece under the mirror. My parents, homing always with uncanny accuracy upon my sins, had found me out. Had they spiralled up to the smoke by the chimney to await its emergence? Or had the wind itself laid it reprovingly and righteously at their feet as they came up the path? I threw it away very quickly, thus without doubt, proving my guilt.
1: I love that poem. Like, it's so my nan. Like, it's so her personality. Um it just makes me really happy. Like, it's just so silly. Like, she says, it's, it's, yeah, no. She would never say all those swear words out loud, but it's just like her to have once written them down and then been completely found out. And I asked her and apparently her and her parents never spoke about this. It really did all happen in silence with the paper going on the mantelpiece and then her throwing it away and nobody ever spoke about it, which is just hilarious. Um, but yeah, this is one of the more esoteric pairs, I guess, in some ways, because the reason it's paired with my poem Spirits is because that one really does feel like a piece of my nan that I get to keep. Um, so, yeah, it's paired with this, which is a relatively recent poem, which I, I wrote when I was uh, thinking about losing my nan and thinking about going through this her work as well. Spirits. Long have I thought poems are little pieces of the poet's spirit. It brought me comfort that I might keep shimmers of people I was yet to lose. Partly true, but this little ditty insistently wants to correct me. Poems are their own spirits, gracious enough to cavort with us
0: like cavort.
1: it took me a few days to come up with that word Really? yeah it was like dance and it was something else and it was like it was one of those where I actually did go back to it and change it and change it until it felt right which I usually don't have the patience totally to nailed do. it um, <laughs> thank you <laughs> perfect <laughs> the perfect way like the the occasions of actually you know properly yeah. thought about a poem and not just moved on to the next one um it's, it
2: just really does but it perfectly sum summarizes the relationship that a poem and a person has mm. it's, it's
0: yeah even you know other people's poems can stay in your mind and just kind of repeat themselves and kind of travel with you in your daily life
1: yeah, it definitely feels like, to me, those particular poems that I, that I read, particularly Mary Oliver poems, my nan's poems, other people's poems, the way you feel like you're calling a bit of their spirit into the room. like, mm. And I very much feel that with performing this book. But then it's also like the poem is its own little thing, its own little fairy, its own little... like. You don't want to be a narcissistic parent to all your poems and be like, you're just a part of me. (laughs) You know, like Mm -hmm. it's, there's a kind of a a magic an incantation, a, a strange aliveness in to poetry. I think it's, it's got poems have got like an immortal little life. And that's one of the things I most love about them. Like, you know, you can read Rumi and it will still feel entirely present like a real person whispering in your ear mm. from hundreds and hundreds of years ago. But
0: especially page poetry because you read it in your own voice whereas you know spoken word is is kind of carried by the poet carried by the person mm. and yeah you you get your own your own reading of it your own interpretation yeah.
2: so um when is this coming out then
1: so the book light. is was officially published, I guess, on the eighth of March when it got delivered to my house. Um <laughs> and is now available to buy um at the Querying uh which is a queer collective bookshop it's at the feminist bookshop in brighton in brighton which is also they're selling it online so if you want to buy it online you can order it from them um links to that are in my bio at rihanna valentine on instagram or you it's in it's a link tree so you can just put in link tree forward slash rihanna valentine um and i'm going to be touring the book uh there are book launches in Brighton at the Query on the 18th and 22nd of April. Uh, but hopefully there will also be shows at least in London and in Bristol. And then I've possibly got my eyes on Glasgow, Sheffield, Manchester. There's little things I'm, yeah. you know, I'm working Go on it. it yeah. I'm working on it. Like we'll see what comes off and what doesn't. Um, That's great,
2: And you're bringing Kofi along? Yeah, so <laughs> Kofi's, really?
1: Lon- Kofi's London. Okay. Um, Jamie Smith is uh, doing the readings in Brighton. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my wonderful friend Charlie, who I ran Poetry meet Cute for a long time with, is going to do the reading in Bristol if we get that sorted. Uh, so it's kind of like different are people are Bristol? getting to voice the poems. Um, but actually, Lulu will have been the first person to like perform the mother than me today so you know cool. like, <laughs> which is
2: nice
0: is that the first book launch then yeah, the right, <laughs> yeah.
2: great so yeah check uh check rihanna out online and uh, check out the book
0: fragmented light.
2: yeah and it's been it it's was been a pleasure great. to have it's you been great
0: again. To again yeah it's yeah. been <laughs> so lovely i
1: really appreciate getting to talk about this project it's very
0: close to my heart yeah, so thank nice you for time. having me And thank you for tuning in and see you next time Thank you for listening to Poetry to Your Ears. This podcast is published as a newsletter on Substack. All of our content is published for free, but if you would like to support our work, you can become a paid subscriber. This will help us support transcripts for the deaf and hard of hearing community, and anyone who would benefit from reading the podcast alongside hearing it. You can also support us for free by rating the show on Spotify and Apple Podcasts or writing a review on Apple Podcasts. Share the show with your friends, fellow poets and poetry lovers. If you want to interact with us, you can follow us on at poetry on Instagram and at poetry2yourears on Twitter. Or you can also write a comment on Substack. If you're American and you're listening to us, send us a message. Half of our listeners are American. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time.